This meme-tastic episode of Tales from the Backlog is brought to you by the wonderful people who have gone to patreon.com slash realdavejackson to kick me a few bucks and help support the show. These personal heroes of mine are Chris Nelson, the top three podcast crew, Zolgeek, Eric Guess, Rick Firestone, Nick Ficori, Jill, Soccer, ZNA, Cupcake, Kyle, Christian S., Matt, aka Stormageddon, JD, Doug Leaf, Jason Emery, Rob Shack, Brian Skersha, Randall, and many more. In return for their generous donations, these fine folks are getting bonus episodes and the ability to vote on polls for games to appear on the show. This game today, Metal Gear Rising, was the winner of one of those polls. So if you want to participate and support your favorite podcaster named Dave, once again, that address is patreon.com slash realdavejackson. Any and all support is always appreciated. And with that being said, Jack's back, baby. Hello everybody, my name is Dave Jackson and you're listening to Tales from the Backlog. This is a video games review podcast where each week I'm joined by a guest to bring a game out of the backlog, play it, and discuss. My guest today is a friend of the show, host of Left Behind Game Club, Cutscenes, Video Game Trivia, and a brand new podcast called Crossplay Conversations. The meme enthusiast Jacob McCourt. Jacob, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. I have uh, too many honorifics. I should probably kill one off with a yeah. blade. Who knows? <laughs> we're getting uh, we're getting into like Game of Thrones queen honorifics territory there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that is Stormageddon levels of uh, you know past guests of the show. Yes. I believe uh, levels of honorifics. We just have too many shows. That's the problem. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm at two. That's the breaking point for me. If I start another podcast, someone call in a wellness check. Come Don't, check do on me. Don't do it. Don't do it. On that subject, yeah, of course, on that subject, um, I want to give you the customary time at the beginning of the show to talk about your shows. Uh, We had Flora on the show uh, before to talk about The Last of Us Part 2, one of your co-hosts on Left Behind Game Club. Uh, But in case people didn't listen to that episode, and like we said, you have many other shows, let everyone know what's going on. What are you making? Yeah, so very quickly, uh, Left Behind Game Club is a regular video game book club podcast, uh, very similar to this in format. We pick a game, we talk about it. Uh, you know, we've got six hosts, so it's a rotating cast of different folks. Uh, we try and keep things uh, mostly positive, informative, and entertaining. So if that's your shtick, um, we've got over 150 episodes in the feed. Uh, you can find that on all major podcasting platforms. And then my new show mm-hmm. is called Crossplay Conversations. Uh, it's hosted with uh, two friends, uh, Joseph Hooper and Luke Lewis. Uh, it's a bi-weekly show where we topically talk about what's going on in the video game industry so okay we just launched on the 25th of july so we should have three episodes at least two episodes maybe three in the feed by the time you're hearing this so if you like conversations that sound like your buddies getting together to talk about the latest in video games then crossplay conversations is probably something you'd want to listen to Oh yeah. Awesome. Uh, I will, um, go ahead and give the recommendation for everyone to check that out, of course. And uh, like I said, on that episode with Flora, I listened to left behind game club. It's a, a show that I 
picked up in the last couple of months. I really enjoy it. It's, you know, I make this show Tales from the Backlog because this is the kind of show I want to listen to. Left Behind Game Club is pretty damn close to this show, you know, taking games out of the backlog, the things that have been left behind, right? And uh, chatting. Yeah, yeah. I Okay, I got to ask you, because Flora was on the show and I asked Mm -hmm. her, she didn't know, is Left Behind Game Club, is Left Behind a Last of Us reference or is it just those games that got left behind? Ah, that's a great question. So uh, it is not a Left Behind DLC from Last of Us reference, Um, although on the show... Uh, we have talked about The Last of Us Part 1, and with mm-hmm. that, um, the Left Behind DLC was on that. And to tie everything together, the guest on that show was Matt, a.k.a. Storm again. Um, so just <laughs> tying it all together. Hell yeah. Awesome. So uh, yeah, everyone check out the stuff that Jacob is making. You'll find links down in the show notes uh, for everything going on there. Uh, highly recommended. Today, however, we're going to talk about Metal Gear Rising Revengeance which is a character action hack and slash game developed by Platinum Games and published by Konami for PS3, Xbox 360, and PC in 2013. And if you have not played Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, don't worry. This is, uh, you know, this is the whole point of this show, the way it's structured, the way it is. We're not going to spoil what happens in the story. We're going to try not to talk shop too much uh, in the non-spoiler section. So if you haven't played it, don't worry, we're not going to spoil Check in the show notes. There will be a timestamp for when the spoilers begin for Metal Gear Rising. With that being said, if someone is listening and they don't know what Metal Gear Rising is, you might hear Metal Gear and think stealth game, and uh, it's not. So an elevator pitch for what it is, is this is Platinum Games action meets Kojima, character action in the Metal Gear universe, a world with cyborgs and body modification and advanced weaponry where the world's most dangerous soldiers fight with katanas. <laughs> Jacob, what's uh, what's the pitch that you have? Half of me wanted to just write Metal Gear in the elevator <laughs> pitch, but I feel like that wouldn't be a fair representation of what this game is. So I wrote right. Platinum Games somehow made a samurai version of Metal Gear Solid 4, and it's way better than it should be without yeah. leaving the witness. Um, but Metal Gear Solid 4 is like super incredibly anime. Mm-hmm. And this is somehow even more anime than that. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, so we begin the show always by talking about our histories with the game. And with this one, probably a little bit of like our history with Platinum Games, our history with the Metal Gear series. But what made us want to play this? I mean, Jacob, I invited you on the show and gave you that final push to to get into it. But was it on your radar before? And what's your history with these uh, these developers? Yeah, so this has been a game on my like want to playlist for probably the better part of 10 years. <laughs> I believe just for reference, I bought a copy when Blockbuster was going out of business. So just okay. to give you like <laughs> reference of how long it's been. Um, I'm a big fan of Platinum. I think they make amazing character action games. Mm-hmm. Vanquish for me is probably on my top 100 games of all time list. Um mm-hmm. Mad World for Wii is cool. If you play that one, it's that black and white uh, character action game where the character has, I believe, a saw for an arm uh, okay. on there. It's it's super cool. And then, obviously, they made Nier Automata, which is, like, incredible. It's not a yeah. top 100 game for me, but it's one that I should I would definitely go to folks and, and recommend if you like character action RPGs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm also weirdly excited for Final Fantasy four, uh, 16 because yeah. that one uh, is... Um, Platinum plays a small hand in development for that one. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I, I was I've been excited to play this game for a long time. So when you messaged and said, "Hey, the options are Metal Gear Rising," and I was like, "Just stop right there, it's Metal Gear Rising." Let's go. <laughs> oh yeah, um, you have a similar story, right? Yeah, kind of. Um, real quick before I get into me, what did you play this on? Yeah, so I played it on uh, Xbox Series X. Uh, I I opened my sealed copy of the game. First, okay. I checked to make sure it wasn't like a super rare. I'm not like one of those people that would like grade the game, but if it was a $100 sealed copy, like I might sell it and then go get a copy that's $20, but like mm-hmm. sealed copies are under $20 for this game anyway. But popped it in my Xbox Series X. It's backwards compatible. It worked great. Hell yeah. Awesome. So yeah, my, uh, my history here is um, like... I, this was the first Metal Gear game I played. So first off. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, other than Ghost Babble on the Game Boy Color. I played that when I was a kid. But other than that, I never played any of the Metal Gear Solid games, uh, the the regular series ones. So this was the first one. It's a hell of an introduction to the, uh, the series and the lore and all of that. And <laughs> I would consider myself a fan of Platinum uh, also. I, I love the Bayonetta games, Nier Automata, like you mentioned before. But I'm not like a giant fan of Platinum. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they have some hits, they have some misses. Uh, so this was more just like, I kept hearing people talk about it and I saw some clips and stuff and I was like, that looks pretty fucking cool. I liked Bayonetta. So mm-hmm. why not give this a shot? Um, the other thing was back when I first played this, it was on PS now back when mm-hmm. PS now was a thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I played this. The first two times were via streaming on PS now. It's a really weird way to play this game. Yeah. Yeah. It worked. Um, I was able to beat the game twice, but uh, more recently I played it on Steam. It was a much better experience uh, without, you know, streaming. I would imagine some of the movements are like really Twitch focused. And so having even the slightest like second delay could lead to you losing your, your life. Yeah, this this was actually a game I pointed to when because people like people shit on PS Now back then a lot. And this was a game I pointed to to say like, hey, it's actually pretty good. I beat Metal Gear Rising twice on it. Like if I had problems, I wouldn't have beaten this game. Mm-hmm. So that was I, I was also living in Korea at the time, which had like the best they have the best Internet. in the world. I was world. about to ask you about your so Internet situation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, that's how I played it the first time. Played it on PC uh, recently. And um it took about five hours for a playthrough, uh, five to seven hours. Um, I did the DLC missions this third time, which are like under an hour each. They're, they're pretty short. Uh, how about you? What was your playtime like? Yeah, it's about in that range as well. Um, and I did try and touch each of the three DLCs just to like say that I, I basically played the tutorial maybe 10 minutes mm-hmm. in, the, um, in the first DLC, which was... Um, was that Sam? Was that Jetstream? Yeah. yeah, that was Jetstream. That was the first one. So I played maybe half an hour of that one and then touched mm. the other two and said, okay, I, I think I get it, but uh, they didn't really compel me to finish the whole thing. Um, yeah. Just because like a lot of them are rehashes of existing levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The We're not going to talk much about the DLC in this, if at all, after this point. They're fine. If you like the game, you'll probably like the DLC. You get to play as new characters, which is interesting, but mm-hmm. they're otherwise unremarkable i think so that's it for the dlc so um a little quick opening thoughts just so we don't wait until like the hour mark of the podcast to talk about how much we like the game or not i think this game is awesome it's it's my favorite platinum game other than near automata they're like if i want the action side of platinum this game this is what i want and if i want the story 
near automata by far you, you know different moods different games but this is up at the top for me i like this more than any of the bayonetta games it's uh just a huge win and i'll talk about like some of the other stuff that puts it over the top i love the action i love the tone of this game and i want to talk about that you know later when we dig in a bit but yeah i love this this is going to be mostly a love fest from my side how about you yeah i think i'm gonna probably join you in that love fest because hell yeah (laughs) this is a gamey game and it's something that i kind of would turn my brain off and like of course i know the major plot beats of the story uh but i kind of just turned my brain off and enjoyed the action in it and it just was really good action i mean apart Mm -hmm. from vanquish which i put on like a huge pedestal i'd probably even put this ahead of near automata as far as like it's a better playing game than near automata near automata might have like a more lasting impact and the story was super impactful uh this is definitely one of in my opinion one of platinum's top three games they've ever done uh but it, it is really just i know why twitch and like content creators in 2023 are still obsessed with this game mm-hmm. because it's weird it's irreverent it's a kojima game not by made by kojima and uh it's just super fun to play yeah and there's very few games that i because i've been i've been looking for a game that i want to like turn my brain off at the end of the day and just play and this is exactly that game yeah Absolutely. Um, I, I streamed this my third time too. It's a fun game to stream and share with people and laugh together, you know, at what's going on. It's ridiculous. So we're going to take a little music break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about um, what's going on in the story in this game. We'll talk about that tone as well. So in Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, it's set four years after the events of Metal Gear Solid 4. I'm still not all the way through the Metal Gear Solid um, series. I've only played the first game, going to play the second game sometime, which is relevant because you play as Raiden in this game, who's the main character in Metal Gear Solid 2, uh, and comes back in Metal Gear Solid 4 from what I'm to understand. So I'm looking forward to playing Metal Gear Solid 2 to see Raiden earlier i guess uh, can i make a recommendation for you as you like sure. start to play through these games so of course uh if you played these games back when they first came out um there was i guess i would say controversy but more like the fandom was in an uproar because when they announced this game instead of it being snake that was in the first demo it was mm. actually raiden and so like people were like where is snake who is this raiden character why this raiden character and really he was just like a fun trojan horse to like bring in raiden so if you want something fun to look at go watch like old demos of the game uh to get a feel for how the fandom was feeling when the second one was about to come out yeah actually um i had put metal gear solid 2 in one of my patreon polls and Mm. i always put a trailer for those games and so i watched the trailer and raiden was not in the trailer at all it was only snake so i was like what the fuck people were probably mad when they played the game yep they were super (laughs) mad (laughs) hell yeah uh so raiden is uh unlike snake he's not like you know this uh kind of ultimate soldier type he's he's like a I guess he's an ultimate soldier, but in a different way. He's a, mm-hmm. a white-haired, 
um, you know, sword fighting soldier. Mm -hmm. So you play as him. He's working for this mercenary group called Maverick. You're on a mission to protect the prime minister of some unnamed African country. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're attacked by a rival mercenary group called Desperado, um, who are led by cyborgs named Sundowner and Jetstream Sam. And a couple things here. So you mentioned earlier, this was not made by Kojima Productions, but it was started by Kojima Productions before they had trouble with development and eventually passed it on to Platinum Games. So like people can say that like this isn't a Kojima game and I call bullshit. This is it's so incredibly Kojima. Mm-hmm. Just I mean, proper nouns that I've said already in this podcast screams Kojima. To yeah. Me. Yeah. I think that I would agree with you now that you've kind of stated it in that way that maybe the seed came from Kojima, but yeah. it's really the first game that was developed outside of mm-hmm. Kojima Productions using that uh, intellectual property and i think yeah. it was the only one if i'm not mistaken that was produced outside of kojima productions yeah i'm i'm not an expert on uh, kojima and the metal gear series but that that sounds right to me you know at least the numbered metal gear solid games mm-hmm. this is this would be the only one uh well you know what i mean so yeah i was even looking just quickly i'm like is someone going to come into your Patreon and call out, yes, but Metal Gear Acid 2 was developed by an external team. Yeah, uh, right. That one was Kojima, uh, at least Konami. So, and it wasn't really even Kojima Productions when Metal Gear Acid 1 came out. So it seems like semantics, but let's just say yeah. it's it's probably the only game produced outside of uh, right. Kojima's purview. Yeah, if someone wants to pay me $5 to come in my Patreon and tell me I'm wrong about that, that's cool. Go ahead. Yeah. Please. Uh, so, <laughs> what's um, that link? Uh, Patreon.com slash. Oh, that's uh, Patreon.com slash Real Dave Jackson. Come pay $5 and tell me I'm wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's the fee. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like we said, you're, you're protecting the prime minister of this uh, unnamed African country. I get the feeling that this doesn't seem like a, a world that has functioning governments from what you see. Everything is just a fucking mess. Yeah. Uh, as far as like, politics and um you know just the way things are you know just take a look at these levels take a look at what these cities look like no one's keeping the peace in Mm -hmm. in these um there's no diplomatic relations anymore none of that matters it's weird that it reminded me of the way that um uh in black panther how they kind of um talk about themselves to the world or like how you know, there was a perception that maybe that country was very secretive and they didn't know what was going on. It almost mm-hmm. gave me, th- I know it's not the same, but it gave me like Wakanda's government vibes, like the way the government worked there. Mm-hmm. Could be a little off there, but. Yeah, it's it's been too long since I watched Black Panther to, uh, to really confirm or deny, but it it's definitely like, this is, this is set in a world that supposedly has functioning governments and leaders and stuff. And I just, I just don't really buy it, but for now moving on um, to what happens because uh, this unnamed African country doesn't have a leader for very long. Uh, The desperado cyborgs come, they assassinate the prime minister. Uh, So Sam Jetstream, Sam and Raiden fight. uh, And we get into this, like you said, this game's extremely anime. This is the first time where you're like, Oh, this is anime as fuck actually. Like just without the aesthetic Mm-hmm. of anime right mm-hmm. uh sam says raiden is denying his blade its purpose which is to kill uh they're fighting with katanas again best soldiers in the world all sword fight in this <laughs> universe uh <laughs> in the world, they have they have nuclear weapons they have metal gears which are you know mobile 
missile nuclear missile launchers, but the best soldiers are all cyborgs that fight with swords. Mm-hmm. So Raiden claims that he's uh, not denying his blade its purpose, uh, that his purpose is to protect people. And uh, they fight. Raiden loses. He's sliced up real bad. And he's kind of reassembled mm-hmm. with a metal lower jaw for mm-hmm. some reason. Yep. He didn't get his jaw cut off in the fight, but he comes back. He's got a metal lower jaw with metal teeth, which um, the metal teeth touch against his natural upper jaw teeth, oh. which is really fucking weird. <laughs> I never got over that when I saw it. <laughs> that is a wildly specific description and I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it it disturbed me as well because Raiden, you know, I, I'm not ashamed to say that the character was made to look very attractive and uh-huh. you know i would almost say like french model-esque uh mm-hmm. and then they put this like really disturbing lower jaw on raiden that makes yeah. you go uh <laughs> which if if the intention was to make him ugly and scary then mission accomplished yeah exactly and to make you uncomfortable when you think about metal grinding on your teeth ah yeah. yeah, so that's fun because you get close-ups on Raiden's face in just about every cutscene mm-hmm. in the game. So that's yep. all I could think about. So anyway, this Desperado, the 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 rival mercenary group, they are working to start wars for financial gain. This is a, a Kojima thing that you know. I feel like it's been going on from what I've osmosed about the series and what he's he likes to talk about in his games. So. This the rest of the story, just to kind of give some thoughts about it before we get into the meat of um, the game, which is the gameplay. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that this story should be taken seriously, but I'm also on the side that doesn't think that any Kojima story should be taken super seriously. I don't know how Kojima feels, like whether he's in on the joke or whether he's like, no, this is actually the deepest shit or whether it's somewhere in the middle. But like, I can't take any of this seriously. And this game has a tone to it that like really helps with that, I think. I think that there's like nuggets of really good nuance in Kojima games where like he will explore topics that aren't normally touched on in games. Mm -hmm. But then also 80% of it is like the most anime bullshit. So (laughs) uh, he has to be in on the joke. But as a person who's like, you know, I hate always talk loving auteurs and like putting auteurs on a on a pedestal because there's a huge uh-huh. team of people that made this game. But um, I appreciate his genre of bullshit because there's nuance in there, nuance that I appreciate. Uh, you're not going to see it in this game, but in the Metal Gear, yeah. Gear series, I think you will, which is I will ask you Metal Gear solid series questions later, but I'll save those for the spoiler wall. Sure. Yeah, of course. Um, and again, like we know that this game wasn't, completed uh even like the majority of it done by kojima productions but like even if you take away kojima from it just look at what's going on in this story look at the the names that people have the metal gears the things that happen in the plot the conspiracies all that shit and just try and tell me with a straight face that this isn't a kojima story i don't buy it so if you're in for that kind of thing like it's a pretty fun ride uh as far as i'm concerned I think you could have made Metal Gear Rising without Kojima, but you can't make Metal Gear Solid without Kojima, and we know that now mm-hmm. to be true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the other thing about this story is that um, alongside like the, you know, war is good for the economy type uh, plot that's going on here and the uh, other people trying to start wars for personal gain or, um, you know, the 
creation of like super soldiers and all that stuff that goes on as the plot goes along in this game. There's a tone to this game that like dares you to take this seriously. And like in the first Metal Gear Solid game, which I played, you could take that in as like a drama, Mm -hmm. basically, Mm -hmm. with all the twists and turns and betrayals and stuff like that. This game is just, it is impossible to take seriously, regardless of what people are saying or what the plot is saying is going on. And I think it has to do with, like like you said, that over, that super anime tone to it. And uh, we'll talk about this in a second, the soundtrack as yeah. well. Yeah, it's just sometimes so silly. It's surreal and silly that you just kind of have to look at it and go... This this isn't real, and you if you yeah. only played Metal Gear Solid One, you may not have experienced it because I feel like two is is it gets pretty silly, but four like completely jumps the shark. So mm. I would argue even two starts to jump the shark, but four just like jumps the shark. If you think Psychomantis is jumping the shark, just wait. Okay, hell yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's talk about that that soundtrack also because this plays into the tone. It's uh, part of the reason that I love this game so much. And I think it plays into the memes uh, mm-hmm. around this game too. <laughs> so this soundtrack, first of all, what did you think of the soundtrack? Do you enjoy it? Um, I'm not typically a person that loves like heavy rock or very like metal music. Uh-huh. Uh, here you had like butt rock and electronic speed metal as kind of the genres. Um, this reminded me of like a very specific time in gaming. I'm talking like 2000 to 2005 when we needed like Chevelle or, um, or like that style of music. Like I thought of PsyOps, the Mindgate conspiracy as soon as I played this. Cause I'm like, are they the same soundtracks? Do you remember PsyOps from back in the day? (laughs) I never played it. No. Okay. But that one's like Psy operative, literally, kind of like it kind of reminds me of this where he gets powers and he just takes people out and it's from 2004 and it's incredibly silly and surreal but takes itself super seriously and has the same genre of music from memory so it's it's fine it it matches the silliness of the game i think yeah yeah i i have a lot of affection for this type of music uh i listen to the soundtrack outside of the game Uh, like i i just something about it like taps into like part nostalgia, but also part like, yeah, I'm not going to take myself too seriously and not like rock out to some of these songs. Cause uh, I like this genre of music in Mm -hmm. general Mm -hmm. and this is cheesy as fuck and I really enjoy it. (laughs) Uh, What's cheesy about it is I guess the instrumentation too. I mean, it's like, it's rock. It's, it's like speed metal. There's electronic stuff. Like one of the songs has like dubstep fucking like what's the word I'm looking for? Like bridges during the song. Mm -hmm. Um, So stuff like that. But most of the songs have vocals too. And that's um, something that can be pretty hit and miss in uh, in video games. So how it works in this game is you'll go through the levels and you'll hear like like an instrumental version of the song. Mm -hmm. And then when you get to the boss, like the vocals will come in uh, at points throughout the boss fight. And it will like accentuate the vocal that's being sung at the time too. Mm -hmm. And they're all like shouting like the theme of the fight or the theme of that boss at you. If you read the (laughs) lyrics, they're ridiculous. Okay. I maybe have to do that now. I've got a couple here. Yeah. So it reminds me of a little bit of um, how Hi-Fi Rush did the the music from this year where like they had two tracks essentially. And depending on how you were doing, you would 
either get the basic version or something with right. more like audio tracks in it. Uh, but please, like lyric me, lyric oh, away. Yeah. So this one, uh, real quick, I don't think is doing the like vocals based on your performance. It's just like in cutscenes during the fight, like it'll kick in and someone will be like, "Out here, only the strong survive," and shit. And uh, <laughs> there's uh, the the first line of like the the song in the final boss is uh, "Standing here, I realize you were just, just like, like me, me trying, trying to make, to make history. history." Yeah, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, it's so corny, and I fucking love it. I carved my own path. You followed your wrath, but maybe yeah. we're both the same. Just so exactly. good. Oh. Yeah. And not to say that the bosses don't monologue at you uh, mm -hmm. talking about their motivations because they do. But these songs also serve as like telling you about what's going on with the boss, like the relationship between Raiden and the boss sometimes like, you know, like we said, a, a mutual understanding here, like instead of Raiden and the final boss talking to each other and being like, we're not so different, you and I, or like in Raiden's weird ass voice, we're not so different, you and I, like at the end of the game. Yep. It's in the song lyrics. And if mm -hmm. you listen when you're playing or if you go look them up, it's it's cheesy as fuck, but I love it. Yeah, I. Uh, this isn't typically the genre of music that I gravitate right. towards, but... It just really continues to make the case that like why YouTubers will do reactions to gameplay yeah. of this. The music just adds another layer of like, what's the opposite of cringe? Or like, what is the <laughs> antithesis of cringe? This is like anti-cringe. You yeah. can't cringe at this. It's cringe proof. Yeah, that's that's what I think. I mean, I, I think that like... The only way is like if you take yourself seriously and your tastes really seriously and you're like, I can't, I can't enjoy this. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not me. It's not like not acceptable. I don't want anyone to know that I rocked out to the end boss song of Metal Gear Rising. Mm -hmm. That's not me. I don't give a shit. I love this. But, um, you know, if it's not like your general taste in music anyway, I get that for sure. And it's unique. You don't play a lot of games that have like, straight up rock songs with guitar solos and um you know vocals verse chorus guitar solo structures don't really get that in video games no i, I can name three or four games off the top of my head that do that um yeah. but tonally it's 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 kind of perfect for what yeah. we get here totally fits with the tone um other things like you just have to we'll talk about it in the spoiler section but all the bosses are just the most ridiculous caricatures of people mm -hmm. um, none of them feel like real people even the slightest bit yep uh, and it, it's all part of this tone part of the memes part of the um the the culture this game has to be the most memed of like any game relative to its popularity as a game yeah you know mm -hmm. that makes sense like god of war ragnarok got memed to death but like Tens of millions of people bought that game. Tens of millions of people didn't buy this game. You yeah. know? This would have the highest quotient of like memes <laughs> to players in the world. I have no doubt. And for some reason, content creators are obsessed with it. And I get yeah. it because it's so weird and you don't get games like this. I would exactly. even argue you don't get games like this anymore because this has like AAA production values, yes. but it is a B game. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. um, I recommend people, if you want more of this exact conversation, uh, this type of thing, check out um, Jacob Geller did a video about this game talking about its meme ability and why it survives even though like 
it's a pretty niche game for people to actually play it, but it survived. Like you type in Metal Gear Rising in the in the GIF search in Discord, thousands of GIFs come up of all manner of like <laughs> just deranged shit because uh, it's it's just survived in that way and it's really special. Mm-hmm. The people who make memes are the people who like this game. Yeah. Have exactly. you ever made a meme in your life? <laughs> I yes, I have. Yeah. Okay. But it was well, old Reddit style, like advice animals memes. Got it. Yeah. Not yeah. riding memes. No, not right. I don't know how to make animated memes. I'm not going to teach myself. If how you to had do to that. make a meme of Raiden, what would yours be? Oh, man. It, you're putting me on the I spot. Have, That's I have a really one hard... if you want me to go. Yeah. This came off the dome and it's, it's terrible, but I'm going to put it out there. Oh, I would yeah. have one of him running and then uh-huh. just the, the words on the meme say, gotta go poop. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they make a joke about uh, taking a doomp at yep. some point in the game. Uh, again, the type of tone we're working with here. Yep. So. Um, this is like the lasting impact of the story for me. It's lit, not anything to do with like the plot mm-hmm. of this game, but what sticks in my head about this is the, you know, the, the tone and the presentation of it all. Um, it's really special. Like you said, triple a production value, but with this level of ridiculousness, not something that happens very often. Mm-hmm. And just know that I'm going to ask you about a meme thing later. So keep thinking about <laughs> it in the back of your mind. Okay, yeah, I'll try to host a podcast and come up with a meme at the same time. We'll of course. see how good my brain works. Simple. So. <laughs> Let's uh, listen to a little bit more of that music. We'll come back and talk about the combat. Metal Gear Rising Revengeance is, like any Platinum game, a character action game, uh, which goes deeper than uh, button mashing. They make games that are uh, mechanically sound, mechanically deep, like high, high skill ceiling type action games here. So uh, one thing that kind of makes this stand out is that you can button mash your way through Bayonetta and Nier Automata and... uh, Astral Chain, to some extent, another Platinum game that I played, you cannot button mash your way through Metal Gear Rising. This will this requires you to learn its systems to at least a certain level in a way that, you know, Bayonetta doesn't. And it's it's something that took me some time as I was playing. Yeah, and uh, I will not lie to you, I'm probably among those folks who are the least skilled when it comes to, like... I have many podcasts about video games, but that doesn't mean I'm good at them. Uh And uh, (laughs) thankfully, um, I ended up getting, and I I won't talk about it extensively, but I got a weapon kind of after one of the first boss fights that really made it easier for me, where Mm. I don't want to say I button mashed, um, but there definitely was a pretty consistent rhythm of the types of attacks that I used and the types of combos that I utilized to take out large crowds of folks. Yeah, exactly. So um, it's, you know, the combat is built on 
you know, light attack, heavy attack until you get a second weapon. Then it's two different weapons on a square and triangle on the PlayStation, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, you hold down R2 to do what they call a ninja run, which is basically like a combo of free running. And yep. also, uh, if you do it when people are shooting at you, it will deflect bullets. So it's mm-hmm. a defensive move as well as just got to go fast, you know, um, one of the gates that they put on you on like your button mashing tendencies, my button mashing tendencies, because that's how I play these games, mm-hmm. um, is that the block is directional in this game. So you can't just press a button to block an attack. You have to press the attack button square and press the direction that the attack is coming from. And this starts out as being like, oh, that's kind of cool. I wonder when I'll use this. You get to a, a boss early in the game that's like, you will not beat this boss if you don't learn this. And then um, the challenge gets ramped up, but they place a wall pretty early in the game. This is really important. You have to do this. Yeah, I uh, I will just say the the name of the, the boss, but it's yeah, sure. Monsoon um, is kind of, I believe, the boss that really teaches you that you need to use directional parries because uh, mm. they have an attack where they kind of just appear from... I won't spoil it, but th- there's an attack that essentially forces you to parry. And yeah. like you said, if you do not parry, you will not get past it. So... I guess my my number one piece of advice if you decide to play Metal Gear Rising is that you should learn how to parry in the first hour. Uh yeah. even if it takes you longer to get through like the the enemies, the simple ones that are there, learn how to parry because it's it's worth it later. Yeah, absolutely. And when I was talking about a wall boss, I was actually talking about an earlier boss oh, uh, when snap. you fight when you fight Blade Wolf. Um mm-hmm. I could not beat that until I nailed down the parry. Mm. So it's mandatory. Luckily, I personally don't think it's very difficult. Like once you take the time to just say, okay, where's the attack coming from? Okay, up, parry, pretty easy. When mm-hmm. you pull it off, you counterattack with a really strong attack too. So you're like really rewarded for doing it. Mm-hmm. It's not like Sekiro where you're going to have to parry like six attacks in a row. Just get that one and then you're you're in business. Mm-hmm. Later bosses will make you do that where you must yeah, parry yeah. multiple times, but at least like at least there's not a crushing wall of right at the start needing to parry. Right. Where you just yeah. need to parry one to survive. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. They they ease you into it. Um, and then there are other walls along the way for other mechanics too. One of them is called blade mode where if you hold down L2, uh, if you have this bar charged up, it slows down time and you can cut. And so if you just mash square or triangle, you'll do horizontal and vertical attacks and just cut whatever you're cutting to bits. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can use the right stick to like line up exactly the angle of the cut that you need. Mm-hmm. And this is another thing that is... Um, it's like a fun little trick you can do early in the game. And then late in the game, they're like, okay, are you a master of this yet? Because yep. if you're not, you're not going to beat this like one of the later bosses, you mm-hmm. know? So it's another one of those things that they teach to you. You'll do it a bunch of times uh, throughout the game. But then they're like, okay, are you a master yet? For some reason, like in the run up to this game, I just, or at least before I played it, there was always this like watermelon thing with, uh, with rising and the blade mode where mm-hmm. they would want you to cut what like I just remember seeing like cut the watermelon with your blade mode <laughs> um, but yeah it's it's kind of badass that that like blade mode uh, because 
sure, you can just do it where you use the like face buttons to either attack horizontally or attack vertically. But mm. as you said, you can actually direct your your blade mode to a certain angle. And it just kind of looks badass when you chop somebody up. And one mechanic we haven't gone into in detail is um, you can actually like take one of the androids or one of the the PMC members spines to get more yeah. energy and just <laughs> chopping somebody up to pull out their spine to smash it to get more energy which just made me feel super badass. Yeah, that's um the most reliable way to heal other mm-hmm. than like you get a couple of consumables that help you heal, but like if you're fighting a group of dudes and you need to heal then um after you do enough damage to an enemy one of their body parts will start glowing blue. It will get this kind of blue overlay on it. Mm-hmm. And that means you can use blade mode to cut that body part off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if their whole body is glowing blue, you do like a cut across their chest and then you can reach in and grab their spine and um, yeah, smash it and regain health. But what you can also do with that, and it comes in handy with a lot of later enemies, is let's say you're fighting an enemy that uh, kicks you a bunch. Mm-hmm. If you do enough damage to them, you might get the chance to cut their legs off and then they're not a problem anymore. So like there's some strategy to this as well to like try and do enough damage. And then as soon as you get the opportunity to cut off the problem body part, (laughs) you can go ahead and do that. It's really helpful. What's interesting too is with some of the kind of more fodder enemies, a few of them, if you cut off a particular body part, so there's one relatively tall like soldier that if you cut mm-hmm. off their arms, they'll actually just start to drop kick you. Uh, mm-hmm. So they'll shift their attacks based on what body parts they have left, which was a nice touch that I wasn't expecting to see. Yeah. And kind of added a layer of strategy because I almost thought those enemies were more dangerous when their their arms were cut off and they were just drop kicking you to death. <laughs> a little bit um a little bit less predictable because you haven't seen that move set as often, right? Yeah, exactly. There's there's ones that you find that have these big hammers. And so like the hammers are a real problem. You can't parry them. So you need to cut off their arms. And then once you do, they'll kind of like saunter over to you and try to shoulder bash you. Yeah. And it always caught me by surprise because I'm never used to seeing it. Yeah. Just a lot of like fun, small details in there. Um, even, you know, some of the objects, it just felt really good to like go up to a like steel container and just chop it to bits. Uh, even the smaller stuff too was fun to chop the bits. I wasted a lot of time chopping objects to bits is what I'm trying to tell you. It's really fun. And like, from what I could tell from the development of this game, this was one of the first things they developed uh, doing some research is they're like, we got this blade mode thing. It's really fucking cool. But then they had trouble like designing the rest of the game. And that's when they got platinum games to come in and help, mm-hmm. you know, big simplification of the process of making a video game. But that's basically the order that I'm to understand happened. And it is really fucking cool. It, you know, at the end of a boss fight, you'll get this like big slowdown where it's like, okay, blade mode time. And you maybe you've like had issues fighting this boss. And suddenly they're like, all right, go get them. It's blade mode time. Mm-hmm. You cut the boss into a thousand pieces. It's really cathartic yep. uh, if you've had trouble with them. <laughs> and it counts the number of hits and then even the number of like pieces that you cut them up into, which because yeah. I went and I played this game and then I immediately went to play the new Katamari game that, that like tells you how many <laughs> things you collected. So not uh-huh. to say those games are similar in any way, but I just like to see the number go up, Dave. 
I would like to see the Katamari follow and pick up all the pieces of <laughs> Raiden's <laughs> slain enemies. That would Sounds be like you just made DLC for Metal Gear Rising without realizing it. That would be that would be the collaboration. Like Power Wash Sim have had their fun with their collaborations. Yep. It's time for Katamari to uh, to pick up the pieces from this game. Literally. I agree with you. <laughs> Get on the phone, Kojima. Let's go. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, this game has a lot of QTEs, which is another thing to um, to talk about because it's kind of it's gone out of fashion uh, since this game was put mm-hmm. out. 2013, I think I said this game came out right. Yep. 2013, yeah. Um, QTEs are uh, out of um, the preferred uh, game mechanics uh, at this point here. Mm-hmm. You get that QTE to, to rip out the vertebrae and to smash them, but that's just a simple like press square, grab the vertebrae. There are a lot of QTEs for uh, doing finishing blows and my least favorite type of QTE, which is button mashing or even worse, the you got stunned, wiggle the thumbstick a bunch of times to unstun yourself. Oh, so bad. I would almost call that the worst part of this game. Yeah, it's honestly like probably my least favorite thing about this game are the QTEs. They Mm -hmm. kind of suck and Platinum's still doing them. Bayonetta 3 had those exact same QTEs in them way after the rest of the industry was like, yeah, people don't like these anymore. We're moving on. Or at least giving you options now, like Resident Evil 4 Remake has QTEs, but they they at least had the decency to let you change how they work, mm-hmm. you know? Or have like extended timers. I always go to like accessibility when I think about QTEs because they are not friendly um, to folks who may be challenged from like a motor skill perspective. Like yeah. how are you, if you try to play this game... I don't think you'll be able to. So I'm glad they wanted a style. Like uh, you probably agree with this in in the like every game for 10 years after RE4 came out in 2005, they went, oh, these QTEs, it's pretty fun, right? We should, <laughs> we should do those. Uh, but I'm glad that they're uh, kind of out of fashion now. Yeah. I uh, somehow left that out of the legacy of RE4 discussion in that episode, the QTEs. But yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I didn't Like, I didn't look in the options menu, but I would just go ahead and guess this would be one of the least friendly games from an accessibility perspective uh, out there. It's fast, it's twitchy, it's full of QTEs. Yeah. There's some other things about the gameplay too, um, the combat. You pick up these sub weapons, which feel kind of vestigial to me. They feel like they're like Metal Gear. You got to pick up some grenades sometimes. Yep. There's only a couple situations in the game where I would throw grenades. Uh, there are enemies that are that require rocket launchers. Mm-hmm. So it's good when you find those. Um, you find cardboard boxes as well. And that Never feels like... I used one one time when the game told me to. I was like, okay, we'll try it. And then, because stealth is a part of some missions mm-hmm. in this game. And again, it feels vestigial. It's it's bad in mm-hmm. this game. It's, mm-hmm. It is a terrible stealth game. Luckily, stealth is a very, very minor part. But there are times when they're like, hey, there's some hostages. Like, sneak around, kill the soldiers, save the hostage. And I'm like, that sucks. I want to fight people in this yep. Yeah, in this combat system, because the combat's great. Um, 
It's an issue I have with a lot of Platinum games, I think, where they have really amazing game engines for combat and really awful game engines for everything that's not combat, running, (laughs) platforming, stuff like that. Yeah, I I even remember like the shooting in Nier Automata was sort of annoying. Um, mm. I, not the same game, but I agree with you that like anything that's not direct combat is mm. kind of janky. And apart from <laughs> using EMP grenades, like when I had to for one of the boss fights, maybe two of the boss fights, I I didn't really use them because it would take too long because you'd have to like go into the menu, even using some of your healing items, you know, you could have, you'd have one of them kind of on auto, like use if your health got down, but they'd be annoying to go into your grenades. It would take you a second to like, you had to pause, like you couldn't be moving. You'd have to stand still, go into the menu, pick it out, and then you could either like quick throw it or aim it. And it just was super janky and didn't work with the Twitch action that we had in the rest of the game. Yeah, same with the rocket launchers. And there are like helicopters and the only way to reliably fight them is to shoot them with rockets. And that requires, like you said, to get into this like janky ass first person shooter mode and shoot uh, rockets. And it, it sucks. And there's a boss fight that has helicopters in it. And it's like, Almost unforgivable, yeah. Uh, in my opinion, it's terrible. Yeah, so. I think on the helicopter boss fight, it took me a while to figure out like how do I actually beat this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a combination of like what web sub weapons do I use, and also like at what point do I have to use my blade mode, and on what? Okay, but yeah. maybe the game doesn't explain those specific situations as well as it could apart from like put up a big Japanese symbol that I guess would mean blade mode time. But again, I don't speak (laughs) Japanese. Same. I don't read Japanese. Yeah. We, we, we figured it out eventually. So like, you know, just talking about these because they're part of the game. They're a minor part of the game. Most of the time you're just running around chopping dudes up. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of other things that I think are are worth mentioning for people who are going to play for the first time. There are, After each mission, or I guess like during the missions too, you just have to go back to a checkpoint if you do this, but there's character customization. Uh, You earn like battle points, they're called, and you can upgrade your health, you can upgrade your weapons, you can pick new outfits, some very funny outfits, (laughs) um, and you can learn new moves for combat. And there's a couple of them. So if anyone's listening, you're thinking like, this game sounds fun, I want to play this. Make sure you go in the menu in that like customization screen Unlock the dodge and the air parry because they're there. And I played this game two whole times without knowing that there was no. a dodge. Yeah, because I and it, it doesn't say it in the description. It doesn't say dodge enemy attacks by pressing circle or whatever the fuck button it is. It it, it uses some other video game language that I was like, oh, that doesn't sound useful. I'm not buying that. So I played this game two times without a dodge. And it's a really useful dodge, but you have to pay for it. And I think it kind of sucks that it's in that menu. Yeah, I definitely double down on mostly um, health and like um, the energy for for your blade mode. I forget mm-hmm. what it was exactly called, um, but I mostly did the uh, the customizations there. I didn't really like. I had the chance to put a poncho on him, and I was just like, nah. And I, I actually <laughs> spent on the l'étranger, the uh, the polearm type weapon, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I would say that that was probably the best investment I could have made because that was yeah. a weapon that I used constantly. Yeah, it's great. It's um, 
I think it's the first weapon you unlock, and I I use that too on my playthrough. The um, costumes really feel like New Game Plus things. When you're playing again and you have already upgraded your character, now it's time to spend money on you know riding wearing a poncho around every mission. Yeah, but. Uh, so the dodge and the air parry are unlockables that should not be unlockables. They should just be there. I think a dodge is too integral to an action game to make you find and buy it from a menu. I think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on some of those, like those basic moves should be part of your arsenal. Having just played hi-fi rush this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I just know that like all of your essential moves and combos were given to you and it was just those like extra long combos and special combos that you ended up getting that you can add on later. But that's kind of unforgivable that uh, I don't even think of it because I just bought them and said, oh yeah, uh, dodge, air parry, fine. Uh, to right. not have them for two playthroughs sounds painful. Yeah, uh, that's actually a good transition to um, uh, just a couple things I want to ask you about. Did you find this game to be difficult? Did you have a hard time? So I'm a baby when it comes to difficulty in games and I don't, Mm -hmm. I want the game to like bend to my will whenever. And I just want to kind of make my way through it and breeze through it. I would say that there are a few points where I was pretty frustrated, but most of them were boss battles that I had to go through. Mm. You know, the final boss I had to go through probably 20 to 30 times to get through uh, but even some of like when you first face off against a Metal Gear Ray, for example, like that requires when you're weaker, a, an understanding of like, oh, I have to watch how they kick and watch how they shoot to figure out like the best course of action. Um, I would put it as like a seven out of 10 from a difficulty perspective. It is hmm. by no means a souls like game. Please do not think it's that. Um, but it's not the easiest character action game I've ever played. Even compared to Vanquish, which I remember really liking, I don't remember it being this difficult. Yeah, uh, especially compared to other uh, Platinum games. Like I said, you can just kind of, at least I just kind of breeze through all three Bayonetta games, no real issues. I don't score chase, uh, so I just kind of, you know, got through those games. Same with Nier Automata. That's not mm-hmm. a difficult game. Yep. I should play Vanquish. You've mentioned it like five times now. Sounds fun. It's fun. Hell yeah. Uh, This is definitely the most difficult platinum game that I played, like by a pretty wide margin, harder than Astral Chain as well. Mm. Um, And it's it's the bosses, like you said. The bosses are mostly like really well designed, I think, in a way where you can learn them. And on my third time through the game, there were a couple of bosses that I just beat the shit out of, like barely got touched. Mm-hmm. And that feels great. Um, even, you know, playing it a year after playthrough number two, I was still like, I'm a master of this boss. The final boss uh, barely touched me wow. on my third on my third playthrough, though. Third playthrough. Okay. So like, and th- part of that is on my second playthrough, it took me like 35 times, like an entire stream of just fighting that boss. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. um, this third time i felt like a master of the game so there is that keep playing you will definitely learn it and it's not really like punitive either if you die on a boss there's no boss runs or anything you just restart at the beginning of the fight sometimes you restart at checkpoints in the middle of the fight yeah which is really helpful too mm-hmm. so like they're not trying to like destroy you in that way but you do have to learn the bosses that's where most of the difficulty comes from i agree if i had to do that final boss 
in one shot because again it's like many final bosses without getting into spoilers it is a multi-stage <laughs> fight um yes. if i had to go through every stage in one go i would probably not have finished metal gear rising but i'm glad that there were checkpoints throughout yeah absolutely the final boss is like it's multi-stage it has like a half hour of cutscenes. uh peppered throughout it mm-hmm. it's a whole thing yeah <laughs> that we'll talk about so please stick around after like we get through the spoiler warning here because yeah you're gonna want to stick around for this recounting of it absolutely uh the other thing i wanted to ask you is i mentioned it so it's a platinum games game so you get scored mm-hmm. after every encounter that you get into so the levels are broken up into like this is a combat arena. You beat it. You run for a little bit. You get mm-hmm. into another combat arena. You beat that and so forth and so on. And there's, you know, 10-ish in each level. Mm-hmm. Uh, each level might take you, you know, 45 minutes or so, mm-hmm. something like that. So do you find yourself motivated by this scoring system? No, but only because I'm someone <laughs> who doesn't go back and like, there are very few games in my life that I can say I went back to 100 mm. percent uh and none of them are i got an s on every single level that just doesn't motivate yeah. me but i would imagine i don't know if you're that sort of player i would imagine to a certain amount of people that would motivate them to go back in yeah um i'm not that kind of person either i don't give a shit about the scores yep but of all the platinum games this is the one that i've this is the one that i've replayed it this is my third time playing this game i'll probably play it again in the next year or so it's just a very fun game for me i still don't care about the scores so like my desire to revisit this game is to see the bosses fight them again experience the story again um just kind of have a good goofy time it's it's really has nothing to do with the scoring uh this is though a game that i can see myself replaying on a higher difficulty mm. which is not something i do almost ever like very very few games will inspire me to try on a higher difficulty. This feels like one of them. I can imagine that this one gets uh, somewhat punishing at higher difficulties though. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I don't think you're off base there at all. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, Jacob, let me tell you, I wanted to hurt myself when I started playing on, on harder difficulty. Yeah. um, There, you know, people I know, shout out to Moonborn friend of the show um, who has a YouTube channel doing um, this game on or a YouTube uh, long play doing this game on revengeance difficulty which is the highest so shout out to him um, and people like him who are inspired to go back and master this game play it on the highest difficulty um we'll see if i get to the highest one but it is it is very fun to revisit and kind of in that way i would be curious if you ever got the urge to revisit it if you retain that muscle memory that knowledge of what the bosses are doing because I definitely felt it my third time going through and I was like, this is actually like a breeze almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of encounters that are, were annoying. Um, even the one with the helicopter that I really fucking hate. I beat it on, you know, fourth or fifth try. Not a big deal. And it, it again, kind of feels like Sekiro in that way. It's something that people talk about with that game where like you fight and struggle and claw your way to beat it the first time and then the second time you're like oh i i'm a master i beat it once so i can crush the whole game now Mm -hmm. i'm just not that guy right you could yeah yeah (laughs) ask me you're like what bosses do you have muscle memory for in your life and i go uh the first boss in sonic the hedgehog for genesis Uh and uh (laughs) i think that's it so that's fair well it's good it's good that you know all three three levels here like 
this is, you know, revisiting the games, playing them on higher difficulties, not your jam. It's very rarely my jam. And uh, there are people who love it. But I think it would work for all different, uh, all of us, if we were to revisit this. So It had a nice, I said 7 out of 10, but I think that's that shouldn't discourage you if you're like a, oh, a yeah. normie gamer like me. Uh, I thought about bumping the difficulty down to easy when I was uh, fighting the final boss. But I mm. told myself, I'm like, you've made it this far. I had to give myself a little pep talk, you know? You yeah, made it yeah. this far. You're just going to have to grin and bear it, learn the patterns, beat the boss. You'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I did. Hell yeah. Awesome. So that's I think that's a good time to get into some final thoughts here about Metal Gear Rising and recommendations. So mm. along those lines, if you have any closing thoughts about the game that you want to say, and then who would you recommend this to? Yeah, um, I think that this game... I would say is is like underrated. It is something hmm. that you don't need to be a Metal Gear Solid, like you don't need to play every Metal Gear Solid game to play this one. If you're really just looking for, like I said at the beginning, a game that you can turn your brain off and play, then Metal Gear Rising Revengeance is a game that you can get on basically every platform for 20 bucks or less. Uh, I'm sure you could find it at your local game store for even cheaper, especially given it's at least backwards compatible for Xbox. Mm-hmm. Um, worth your time. Great platinum game. Um, I don't have any other thoughts. It's just good. Yeah, it's a good game. I kind of echo that. Like, If you like action games and haven't played this, you owe it to yourself to play it. It's mm-hmm. it's a really, really good action game. And this is, you know, I'm I'm someone who like, can appreciate a lot of these games that have like the super high skill ceilings and stuff, but I don't find myself wanting to engage in it at the level where I'm like, I actually do want to play metal gear rising on a higher difficulty and see what's up. Mm -hmm. Um, very rare thing for me to think about a game. So I agree with you. Um, really good action game fans of the metal gear series. If you want to see how the story, like, cause in the chronology of metal gear, this is the most, this is the, the last one in the timeline, most recent in mm-hmm. quotes, mm-hmm. right? So if you want to know what the story is, sure, play it. Um, and should go without saying that if you're a fan of Platinum and haven't played this, this is one of my favorite games that they've made. So easy recommendation there. Uh, the only people I would just like straight up not recommend it to are if you really just don't like action games or if you need a game with a story to captivate you, I don't think this is going to do it. (laughs) No. Uh, Do you like school-based anime or do you like, you know, I was going to say like uh, Final Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, but like that's a good anime story. So like (laughs) this is just a, not to disparage anyone that worked in the game. It's just like, yeah, it's kind of dumb. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that they know that. Yeah. But in a way that's like, fun and reverent isn't the right right word but like it doesn't hurt anybody right it's endearing yeah thank you like in a it's dumb in a very endearing way it's good dumb not bad dumb yeah agreed for sure uh so check this game out i think it rules Uh, before we get into the spoiler section we got to do a little bit of housekeeping um as always this is the time i'll turn it over to you jacob to let people know again what you're making around the internet and where they can find you. 
Yeah, so I make too many things. Uh, thank uh-huh. you for having me today. <laughs> um, I'll just quickly pitch them all and then tell, tell you where I, you can find me. I host Left Behind Game Club. It's a video game book club podcast. It's very similar in format to this. 150 episodes in the feed. Uh, check us out if you'd like to. Dave, we should probably get you on the show at some point. I'm Love making to. that mental note given that you've had two of us on, on this show now. Um, I host Cutscenes, which is a video game movie and TV podcast. We do that seasonally. We just finished uh, The Last of Us a few months ago. And when you're hearing this, we're probably about to start our summer blockbuster series where we're going to watch uh, five video game movies, which are considered to be uh, like summer blockbusters. Uh, Rampage by Dwayne Johnson, uh, Super Mario <laughs> Brothers, the new one. We're going to talk about those. So you can find us there. And I won't pitch all four. I'll just say, uh, if you're going to check out one thing, uh, please check out Crossplay Conversations. It is a brand new podcast. I'm very excited at the crew. Uh, I'm very excited to have a topical game show with folks who know the industry and you mm. know have talked about it for a long time. So if you want to hear about you know what showcases uh, were impressive uh, over the summer, uh, what our you know top picks for the year are going to be, uh, and maybe some really minutia topics about how the video game industry works like please come and find us that's cross play conversations uh wherever you find your podcasts awesome yeah and so uh again i'll recommend that every i recommend that everyone check out the stuff that jacob is doing you'll find links down in the show notes uh so you don't have to go searching just go find those links or when i'm talking about myself here in about 10 seconds or so just go search for those podcasts wherever you're listening to this so now it's time to talk about dave so <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't um, say where you can find. I'm at Jacob McCord on everything. J a c o b m c c u r t o u r t. Sorry, Dave. Oh no problem. Yeah, go find uh, Jacob on Twitter. Good follow. Now about me, uh, you can support the show by joining the Discord server, which is a great uh, place to hang out and talk about video games and all kinds of things. There are several people in the Discord server who love Metal Gear Rising, so if you want to come in and talk about this game. Now is as good a time as any. You'll find an invite link down in the show notes. We'd love to have you. And um, yeah, ways to support podcasts seem to be the same. No matter what the show is, ratings and reviews are super, super helpful. Always appreciate it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, and anywhere else that allows it. Those are the big three that I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. And if you would like to support monetarily, there is that Patreon page, patreon.com slash realdavejackson. This... um, $2 per month minimum gets you lots of treats like bonus episodes and voting on polls uh, for games to uh, appear on the show, which this game was the winner of uh, one of those polls. It was Metal Gear Rising um, by popular demand. Uh, This is the winner of a three-way tie. So the way we do tiebreakers is we have bots on Super Smash Brothers fight each other and this one won. So actually, you want to... Yeah, actually, yeah. (laughs) Your Patreon sounds amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good time. So uh, if you want to participate in those polls and get other stuff, $5 has my uh, retro games monthly show called Tales from the Way Backlog. Nice. Uh, So that one's been fun starting. Yeah, pretty proud of that name. So yeah, a lot of stuff to check out. We are going to take a break. It is spoiler time for Metal Gear Rising Revengeance.
Okay, Jacob and I are back talking spoilers for Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. And as you might have guessed from what we talked about about the story earlier, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time talking about the plot. It is ridiculous. Basically what happens is you're kind of following this plot by Desperado, cutting your way through their top cyborgs. Mm -hmm. Um, They're working with a U.S. senator, Senator Armstrong. Uh, This somewhat convoluted plan to kidnap children, steal their brains, send the brains to the United States where they'll undergo VR military training and be turned into super soldiers. So that's basically the gist of it. And you're just kind of fighting your way up the ranks as you go until you fight Armstrong at the end. And you learn a little bit more about his aspirations. You learn a lot. He does a long monologue Mm -hmm. uh, before you fight him. But that's basically what's going on. Not going to go through the beat-by-beat plot. Again, it's Kojima.txt, proper nouns, names of organizations, code names for key players, conspiracies. It's all kind of Teflon to me, even though I've played this game three times. It's just like, ah, yeah, that guy, he's Mm -hmm. back. There's a lot of fun. uh, If you want to honestly go on like the fandom page later for uh, Senator Armstrong specifically, uh, Mm. because just read through... I love fake politicians in games. Like it's one of my guilty pleasures in like seeing how much companies, especially those outside the United States have understanding of American politics to be able to like pick their backgrounds and whatever with Armstrong born in Texas from like a Senator from Colorado. He's on his posters to be elected. There's like images of people with like paint warmonger on his posters because mm-hmm. obviously his whole thing is war. Um, they nail it because a lot of the times, you know, I'm a Canadian, but I have a good understanding of American politics. A lot of the time you can tell that companies stretch and try and get it, but they don't. And I feel like I will give this game a little bit of credit in saying that like with Armstrong's background, at least they kind of understand American politics. Yeah, from Texas, played football at the yep. University of Texas. Yep. Uh, just the most American background. Uh-huh. Pos- it would only be more American if he was like a Navy SEAL at some point. Yeah, or That's owned a cattle it. ranch as well. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, it was one thing where I'm like, this plot's ridiculous, but like you got to hand it to them. That's an American ass American background. His right his name should have been Senator America rather than yeah. Armstrong. <laughs> uh don't give Kojima any ideas. Has he had a character named America at this point? Oh, had now to have I been, need, right? <laughs> now I need to look this up while you talk through the first, uh, the potential first boss here. Yeah. So um, we gave the kind of story setup at the beginning and your first boss fight against Sam, which is unwinnable. You can't win it. Um, mm-hmm, he'll mm-hmm. kill you pretty quickly. Even if you're really fucking good, I think it's still unwinnable. Mm-hmm. Uh, not like the first boss in Demon's Souls or something like that. Yeah. Um, the first boss wall is Blade Wolf, who is a robotic like dog, basically. Mm-hmm. And this was the parry test. Did you learn how to parry? If so, he's pretty easy. If not, whew, rough. I ended up doing the move where if you ran around, you could like slide into the dog. Mm. Uh, so I did a lot of that in this boss battle, but the monsoon fight that I, I alluded to in the first part of the recording, um, that was where... I absolutely got destroyed and needed to figure out like parrying. I could kind of do a parry with Blade Wolf, but it's essential when you get further in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, Blade Wolf joins you after this. You cut him into a million pieces during mm-hmm. the the conclusion of the boss fight. Mm-hmm. And then in the next cutscene, he's on your team. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is basically with you the rest of the game, except he like, He's always like, I'm going to go scout ahead and never fucking does anything useful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's he's funny, even though he's not meant to be funny or not written to be funny. Or maybe he he isn't and then is by not being written funny. But he really is just like truly a failure as a sidekick. Yeah, he he's always like, I'll go ahead. And then you never hear from him for the rest of the mission. Mm -hmm. Um, He's there as kind of like a. I guess if Ry- Raiden's not really a joking type, but when mm-hmm. he does try, Blade Wolf is like, I get that this is a joke. It's just not a good one. So I'm not laughing. Uh, yeah. He does stuff like that. He's the equivalent of like a, an animal that you just say, who's a good boy? Who's a yeah. good boy? That's Blade Wolf. <laughs> they they do do that later. Like um, he make Blade Wolf makes a point at some point to say like, I am not a dog. Yep. And then like later in the game, Raiden, who like, is it's like his daughter or something? I'm not fully up on that, but his daughter like is like, who's a good boy? And like pets him on the head and is like shake and he shakes and yeah, kind of funny. Yeah. So he just takes the piss out of Raiden basically. Mm-hmm. The next boss after that is Mistral, who is mm-hmm. like a, a French Dr. Octopus mm-hmm. uh, lady. <laughs> That's how she fights. Uh, <laughs> she has this pole arm, but there are these little like two armed robots that you're mm-hmm. fighting throughout this level. Um, there are a million of them in this fight. On one hand, it's kind of an annoying boss fight, I think, because there are so many ads. But on the yep. other hand, they they all drop health. So this mm-hmm. fight is like basically impossible to lose yeah. at this point, I it's think. It's mad easy. Yeah. Um, she talks about how she met somebody and he like taught her her purpose again, which is to kill and, you know, power and anime bullshit, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's um she's kind of silly. Uh, in the way that like all of these characters are silly, but even her background is, is very silly because I mean, she reminds me of quiet a little bit, but like evil, you don't even played Metal Gear Solid 4. She's, I didn't, she's very prototypically a Kojima female villain. Mm. She is. Oh, she's her jacket comes off. Oh, guess what? She's hot. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, she's (laughs) from, she's, she did war in other countries. What's her thing? She could put arms on her body very prototypical Kojima, like, yeah. uh, villainess. Interesting fight, though. You beat her by, like, puncturing, like, a liquid nitrogen thing and freezing her and then mm-hmm. cutting her into a million pieces. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty fun. Uh, the spectacle, I guess we didn't talk about this a whole lot, but there's a ton of spectacle in this. A lot of it is ridiculous mm-hmm. spectacle, like picking up a Metal Gear and throwing it across the city yep. with your bare hands. But... uh even stuff like this, like doing backflips across, uh, you know, off of this tank, letting her stab it, she freezes herself, stuff like that. The the fire, for some reason, I don't know if you play the original Ninja Gaiden, um, mm-hmm. but the for some reason, I know it's not like we're talking village versus like industrial park, but for some reason, the vibes were very similar and just like everything's burning. It's one of the first bosses. You're cutting them up. Ninja Gaiden vibes. Yeah, probably misplaced, yeah, but that. got vibes of that. <laughs> Team Ninja, let's go. Team Ninja, exactly. Um, speaking of Team Ninja, you go. The next level is in Mexico, I mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Raiden, Raiden's whole body is made out of metal, and mm-hmm. like you know, up until his like, he basically has like his skull minus lower jaw, 
that's like real Raiden. The rest mm -hmm. of him is cyborg. And so he decides to blend in by putting on a poncho and a sombrero mm -hmm. as he makes his way through the city. And it's it's a joke. And there's a, a couple guys on the street that see him and they're like, what the fuck is... You know what? We're just going to pretend we didn't see yep. anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and doesn't he like just slowly slink into like a sewer yeah. after that moment? Yeah. <laughs> he gets out of a car. They're like, keep a low profile. And he's like, that's why I brought this disguise. And then he... <laughs> Gets out of the car, walks a block, and then just goes down into a sewer. With his robot dog. Yeah. Yeah. And, Silly. And Blade Wolf says, okay, I'll scout ahead in the sewer. You never hear from him again. <laughs> but he's a good boy, um, so. Yeah. Uh, in the sewer level, you find um, who will become a kind of bigger side character, this kid named George, who is, um, if I'm not, I forget what country George is from. I always want to say South Africa, but that's not correct. He's from a different country. I, I don't exactly remember where he's from. Um, he is, he speaks Guyanese Creole, um, but I don't know if we know where he's from. Oh, he's, is he from Ghana? He's from uh, Guyana. 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 I, I've yeah. never said that country out loud before. Mm -hmm. There you go. <laughs> Guyana. Guyana? Yeah. So that's where he's from. And um, he's, he's notable for being another like human side character, being a little kid that riding kind of feels protective of, uh, mm -hmm. but also uh, notable because he speaks English throughout the entire game, but he gets his own subtitles, regardless of whether everyone else yep. has subtitles or not. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, not necessary, but it is kind of funny in a kind of fucked up way. They gave him jokes too, like jokes that yeah. will make, like at one point, I think he makes like a, like a ninja rap uh, reference uh, uh -huh. Like he's like, go ninja, go ninja, go. And then yeah, like yeah. makes a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reference. So, you know, he gets all the fun lines. Yeah. And he's um he's good kind of pairing Raiden with someone who's like super vulnerable because Raiden mm -hmm. is, Raiden's a superhero basically. Like he lost a fight at the beginning of the game, but it's probably the first time he's ever lost, you know? Yep. And this kid ends up becoming part cyborg too. So they have that in common as well. Yeah, George is one of the kids who was in that like program to steal brains and reprogram them as as soldiers, basically. Mm -hmm. But ends up like really taking a bullet, or actually like almost taking a bullet for Raiden, but gets mm -hmm. like chopped up. From what I remember, hey, I don't remember that cutscene super well. I remember that cutscene as like, do you ever watch Taken? Yes, I love Taken. It was like, yeah, it was like reminded me of the end of Taken when the 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 bad guy is trying to do a monologue and he just shoots him in the head like immediately mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. the cutscene where George is being held hostage is kind of like that too. Yeah. Where Raiden just kind of like, Oh, it's go time. As soon as George like makes a little eye contact or something. Mm -hmm. Cause the, the guy who has him hostage, like threatens to shoot him. And then yeah. he essentially tells Raiden like, no, no, you're good. Like you can, you can chop me. It's fine. And uh, oh, from, yeah. they don't show it exactly as you said, like in taken, but mm. you, you're made to think or made to believe that, Raiden probably chopped through the kid to get the bad guy and then immediately saved him with Cyborg. Oh, I had always assumed that Raiden is just like that good with the sword that he's like, I'm going to avoid the kid altogether. Mm. Maybe I just didn't pay atten enough attention to George's like character design later to see if he had like a robot arm or something like that. Yeah, I think he's I think he gets like a robot arm at, at the like in the later part. Um yeah, he retains his original head and left arm. Um, but beyond that, he is a cyborg. <laughs> okay, cool. I guess they only show him from like the shoulders up most of the time. So there we go. 
Um, the boss of this level, I believe, is um, it's not Monsoon. Monsoon's the boss of the next level. Uh, the boss of this one, I think, is just a robot yep. in like a hangar, yep. which becomes a regular enemy later. They do this a bunch of times uh, where you'll fight like a mini boss, you'll fight like, or, you know, a whole boss. And then later they'll just be things sitting in a room, which yep. is cool. Cool mm -hmm. when that happens. Yeah. The next level you go to Denver, I believe. You fight through the streets and at the end uh, you fight Monsoon. Uh, and it's after um, something happens where Sam either plays a trick on Raiden or enables something or disables something that allows Raiden to hear like the thoughts of the people he's killing, basically. Yeah. And that catches him off guard. He gets like really injured during the fight mm -hmm. um, because he's so, so distracted by everyone saying like, oh, I just like I just joined the police force because I, I needed a job and, mm -hmm. you know. Stuff like that. But again, it's like in a different game, it would be a really poignant moment, but mm -hmm. not in this game. Don't they also like at one point during that fight, he disables his pain receptors as well or yeah. enables them so that he can feel more pain that like his his nickname is always Jack the Ripper. And that yeah. like almost activates like a higher level of battle technique where he turns red and just like it's an ability that you get then that you can just like tear through enemies but it like wrecks your energy and just brings it down to zero really quickly but you're basically like it's like going super saiyan in in dragon ball z you can only do it though for like five to ten seconds yeah it's as far as i remember that was raiden's nickname back like he's he's known as this people around cyborg military world know him as uh jack and he's fighting against that he wants to you know, not be this, you know, cold hearted killer Yep. until this point where he's like, okay, I'm going to become the Joker, turn off my pain inhibitors. I'm going to feel this. And, uh, I think he even says something like Jack is back baby or something like yep. that. <laughs> it was <laughs> changes very his voice too. <laughs> yeah. It goes, it goes way deeper. It's like Jack baby. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to shout out, uh, watch out for fireballs who described it as like evil Marge Simpson, which I think is, <laughs> I can't hear it as anything else after oh, hearing that. That's great. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, so you fight monsoon. Um, you have all these, uh, cyborgs there. I think Sam is there and this is when uh, you get the quote, uh, memes, the DNA of the soul yep. uh, memes. from monsoon. They be you tease it at the top of the show that like memes are very important story beat in Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Yeah, this is from 2013, and so like I'm trying to remember back in 2013, were memes as much of a thing as they are now? I mean, we had YTM and D back in the day, right? You yeah. Remember that? There were stuff. I mean, like I I mentioned Reddit advice animals earlier. Of course, people were making and sharing memes back then even much earlier even. Newgrounds had memes right yeah Newgrounds is much or much older than 2013 mm -hmm. um so like they were but like i'm trying to remember back like was i responding to text messages with memes like i would no. do now back then you know it's just so easy now i send memes yeah. at work like that's where we're at yeah exactly so they are truly the dna of the soul yeah. monsoon was on to something <laughs> but you mentioned it earlier. This is a big boss wall. My mm. first playthrough, this was the hardest boss in the whole game for yeah. me. It took me forever. And it's the it's the combination of that attack where he like 
obscures the vision and then pops out of different directions and you have to parry. But then also this is the first boss that has a free cutting um, blade mode like thing where he (laughs) picks up like tanks and shit and throws them at you and you have to um, cut them up. Otherwise it's almost like instant death if you can't do it. So it took forever. Yeah, and I thought I, I think I got away here without learning free cutting super well because you just needed like he would throw three or four very large objects objects at you and you would just have to like look in the right direction to be like okay I'm gonna look yeah I'm gonna look up and there's the first one then slightly to the right there's the second like you just had to be on it but mm-hmm. beyond those two things which were the two things that killed me there's also the third of he almost makes himself so agile that he's inv- invincible. And like yeah. starts to break apart. Like imagine he's a man made of like, like he can just, uh, I don't want to say disassociate, but like put chunks of his body all over the place and yeah. you have to use EMP grenades to stop him from doing that so you can attack him. But if you don't have EMP, mm. bl- EMP grenades, you basically just have to keep going and keep dodging until you can get a good shot on his head. Yeah. Again, only in my third playthrough, I realized that EMP grenades were were good. The game oh, even gives no. you a hint. They yeah. give you a bunch of them, uh, but I didn't take the hint. My first two playthroughs. Uh, but once you get the hang of it, it's not super hard to defend. But it is kind of cool when you're like slashing and like his body's made of like magnetized parts, so they're coming apart to avoid your blade. It's uh, it's pretty cool, like visually, mm-hmm. but kind of annoying if you're struggling in the fight. Yeah, because you'll end up refighting um, a lot of these bosses later. Uh, yeah. And then you can see how much better you are at the game and how much more health and attack power you have. Uh, but mm. here early, like, to me, the hardest was Armstrong and then Monsoon after that. Yeah. that I think that, that tracks with my first playthrough. I'd probably flip those, but that mm-hmm. tracks for sure. Yeah. And then, yeah, later in the game, there's a point where... Uh, you go in this room and you have to fight Mistral and Monsoon. Yep. Um, and yeah, like you're you, by that point, you basically wipe the floor with them. But mm-hmm. that's cool to see. But I won't lie. The first time I played and I was like, fuck, Monsoon's back. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I think you immediately go then and fight Sundowner like right after that. Yeah. If I'm not it, mistaken. Yeah. This the pacing of this game like really speeds up in the last like three chapters or so. It's yep. like. You go through like four like hour long levels mm-hmm. and then like the last two or three chapters are just boss fights mm-hmm. basically. Yep. Um the third one has a short uh, the the sundowner level has a short level before it, but um the last two chapters are just the boss fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh what do you think of Sundowner, third to last boss? So I think what I forgot here is this is where you need to learn like your free cutting mechanic because Mm -hmm. he will, you know, we we talk about Doc Ock for uh, Mistral, the first boss, but this character also has Doc Ock vibes because imagine he's like a thick uh, military man, but then he's also got like solar panels for shields where he will then put up like a series of six solar panels right in front of him as a shield and in order to get to him you need to cut along a specific line of his shields and then Mm -hmm. cut his arms off that have those shields uh it took me a while to understand the free like i ended up having to use like basically when i had to free cut i would move my hand in a different direction to like 
free cut the correct way. Uh, and it took me a while to figure out that that was the way I was going to do it. I had to like hold my controller weird to free cut well. <laughs> this took me forever. And even after I got good at free cutting the shield, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that you could free cut the arms that held the shield. Oh no. So I would like cut the shield open, whoop on him for a few seconds. Yep. And then he'd put the shield back up and I would repeat and just do that like 20 times until he was out of health. When in reality, it could have been much, much easier. Uh, And if you don't, there's a second phase to the fight. And if you don't cut off the shield, you don't see the second phase at all. You just keep going with the first phase until he's dead. Uh, One other thing about Sundowner, uh, he's the one who uh, says the phrase, uh, like the good old days after 9-11, when talking about his (laughs) ideal world, a new war on terror, basically, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, which... Not saying that this is like offensive to me in any way, but it was like when I first heard it, I was like, whoa, okay, Japanese company. Yep. Doesn't understand uh, how big of a deal that is still 20 years afterwards. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, like uh, he's trying to make the world the way he wants it, like the good old days after 9-11. Woof. So yeah. One thing I noticed my third time playing it, and I don't know if I noticed earlier, but uh, you get free cutting training uh, from these treasure chests that are around. Uh, there are some treasure chests that most of them don't require any unlocking. Oh, they just open. that's, ah, uh, you taught me something. The black ones. Free uh, you, cutting. You free cut those open. Uh, you cut the locks off. Mm, you taught me something here. Well, there you go. Second playthrough, you'll, uh, <laughs> you'll know something. I'll get extra stuff. Yeah, you'll get you'll get extra you'll get extra like weird 3D porno magazines that you Ooh. can sometimes use to distract guards, but you'll never need to. Ah, uh, yes, a Kojima game. After Sundowner, you fight Jetstream Sam, who uh, was the person who, who fucked you up early in the game. Uh, there's not a whole lot to this fight. It's strangely easy, I think. It's a cool setting, like out in the desert, and it has like the Blade Wolf returns to his former master type thing if you're mm-hmm. at all invested in the plot and characters. But this is kind of a thing where it's like Sam was such a charismatic badass character for most of the game and then you just kind of meet up in the desert you kick his ass he's not especially after sundowner and monsoon he's really easy and then you move on it's like a like a 20 minute chapter yep uh cool setting i was only in a bad position because of the where i saved i had little to no health kits so i had to get really good at not using health kits because he has a couple attacks that can really take off a lot of your health 
Mm-hmm. Um, so really I had to learn like, oh, chop up the rocks because there's like health in those rocks and the, not the rocks, but the boxes. So like Ooh. find the boxes, cut up the boxes, find those, get the health, and then you can take them on. Uh, once I learned that, I, it was super easy. Oh, I learned something too. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Um, in the boxes on that level, there were health kits. Awesome. We're teaching each other. Exactly. Podcasting. Yeah. Um, also this, this is a, it's a weird thing in the plot, uh, during this, where you fight sundowner, you have this like time sensitive thing. The brains are being flown, uh, somewhere to be processed Mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Raiden steals a a motorcycle in Mm -hmm. Denver and just rides a motorcycle to someplace in the desert where you fight, (laughs) uh, Sam. If you're keeping track, it's not making any sense at all, but Hey, whatever. <laughs> After that, you get to the final boss, which is a, a combination of bosses uh, with Senator Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk to Senator Armstrong. There's a a lot of dialogue before you fight. The, I can't remember if it happens before or after you fight the Metal Gear uh, when you actually like have a big long conversation. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Um, I think it's after. After the Metal Gear, so you start. Yeah. You fight him piloting a Metal Gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, earlier in the game, the first boss is a Metal Gear. And you fight it. You uh, kill it by picking it up and throwing it across the city, uh, which is hilarious. Yeah. Very good. This one, you fight the Metal Gear and you kill it by chopping off one of its legs that has blades at the end mm-hmm. of it and then doing blade mode with the Metal Gear leg. Like thousands of tons, Dumb. right? So silly. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Then you talk to Armstrong uh, and you get kind of his story, what he wants. Um, He basically wants to start a new uh, war on terror uh, with this thing he's calling Operation Tecumseh. Um, He talks about how it's this is one of those things where you could go through this conversation and agree with some of the stuff that Armstrong says where he's Mm -hmm. like, America is disease. And I'm like, yeah, kind of America's rotten to the core. I'm like, yeah, kind of makes sense. I agree with that. Internet society sucks. And I'm like, yeah, kind of does suck. Make America great again. I'm like, well, hold hold on a second. Yeah. Does he (laughs) say those exact words? Yes, he does. He He says make America great again. Yeah. Which is wild that this came out in 2013 before like president Trump had come down. Ugh, that I said that, but comes down the escalator and announces his presidency. That was two years before that even, or a yeah. year before that. So it makes me wonder, like, did some campaign strategist for Trump play Metal Gear Rising? They're like, I like the sound of that phrase. Doesn't he invoke I have a dream at one point as well? He does. Yes. <laughs> uh, I have to tell you, like, uh, for me, having it called Operation Tecumseh was kind of weird for me because my hometown is actually Tecumseh, Ontario. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and it's and hearing them say it because it you know it's based off the um the, the like chief Tecumseh who I believe yeah. like cursed cursed a president like that's why this particular uh operation name was selected mm. but having everyone pronounce my hometown in a way that wasn't right felt so <laughs> weird. I can see that. Uh, I'm the I one guess... person on a podcast that this would actually matter to. Yeah. Probably the only times it's like ah, pronounced Tecumseh wrong, and uh, I'm not everyone did it. though. Yeah, everyone I'm pronouncing does. it wrong right now too, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you're you're saying it in the 
you're kind of saying it how it's spelled, so I'm not I'm not really worried about it. But if you want to have a fun read, uh, go read up about you know Chief Tecumseh because he's got some that chief has some wild history. Yeah, and it's like you said, probably named that way. I'm glad you brought that up because his plan is to assassinate the president of the U.S. Uh, so that he can you know start a new war and fill the vacuum. Yeah, basically, he basically like set up a coup in Pakistan so that yeah. he could the president would die and then he could assume the presidency because he's a candidate for the 2020 election. Um, it's it's batshit. Yeah, it, it's crazy. He's he's talking about like basically remaking the world where uh, almost like an Andrew Ryan type thing uh, from Bioshock, like mm-hmm. remaking the world where, you know, power is the most important thing. Uh, you're not going to be held down by the limits of society anymore, stuff like that, you know, certain way. So you fight him uh, and it starts out with a fist fight on top of like the broken metal gear mm-hmm. uh, where he he just beats the shit out of Raiden. He's extremely, it's unwinnable, but you have to survive yep. long enough. And then you're, <laughs> this is, <laughs> you can't even laughing. get through it. No, like, because Raiden's like, what are you? You're like, you know, how can I not beat you? I'm the best soldier. And um, turns out, like everything in Metal Gear, from what I can understand, nanomachines. Nanomachines, son. Yep. <laughs> they harden in response to physical trauma. You can't hurt me, Jack. Yeah. Did, uh, so you've played more of the Metal Gear series uh, than me. Nanomachines continue to be a thing, I guess. Yeah. They are a thing that is pervasive in this. I wouldn't say it's it's the central thing, but like, I think they're a thing that is pervasive in the series. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first Metal Gear Solid game, the plot is heavily based on nanomachines. Mm-hmm. And in this one, um, again, the latest in the timeline, nanomachines, son. Oh, no, I'm wrong. Metal Nanomachines are very important. I just thought of that. I'm like, oh, wait, actually, no, no, no. There's a Metal Gear Solid 4 thing that like, when you watch it, you will have to tell me, but there's a nanomachines moment and it's incredible. Hell yeah. Awesome. Please watch it. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, after the fist fight, um, he breaks your sword, uh, which is part of the fist fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, blade wolf shows up and gives you Sam's, uh, sword, if I remember right, uh, yep. which had a, it had like a timing lock on it that prevented you from using it when you first found it. But now the timer is conveniently up and you can use it. Mm-hmm. So you fight Armstrong hardest boss in the game. You said, yeah, awful, very difficult. Yeah. Uh, like I said, my first couple playthroughs, dozens of attempts easily. Uh, yeah, because it it was multiple things. It was like he had projectile attacks that could do, because at that point I probably had 150% health or maybe 175% health. But even then, like he had attacks that could take off like 50 to 75% of a bar. And I remember I didn't have a lot of healing items again, going into this boss battle based on when I saved. So I really had to get good at understanding the first phase of the fight up until he throws, I believe tanks at you. And then when he throws tanks at you, you have to get your blade mode perfect, but it gives you health kits. And that's, I had to, it took me 30 times to get good at that. And then the boss battle became easier. It, it, I would say it took me a dozen times to get to that point where he starts throwing those things. And then it took me, many more tries to master that thing. So mm-hmm. all told, yeah, dozens of attempts. Um, even my second playthrough, it was uh, it was a lot. Um, he also hits really hard and he and Sam, I think Sam's the first boss that does this. They will counter you if you just blindly attack them. Mm-hmm. So you have to wait for like good opportunities to attack them. 
Yeah. He has a daze. You can daze him and, and get a lot of attacks in. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like you said, he will even rush you as well. And I just started jumping like up and away from him because I found that was the only way to avoid those. Like I wasn't a great counterer. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to jump out of the way of these rushing attacks. He was very much like a football player. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> he does. He has those, that shoulder bash attack. Um, he also starts to heal himself later in the fight, which is yeah. really fucking annoying and yep. unwelcome. Mm-hmm. But eventually you get it done. Uh, this has my favorite song in the game, which I said the lyrics to earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called it has it has to be this way and it's basically talking about how we're not so different you and i and um you know blood will be shed but new life will spring uh from this and it's uh if you haven't read the lyrics i recommend checking them out they're ridiculous as all the lyrics are but something about this song really like taps into like my love of very epic sounding rock songs mm-hmm. uh and this one has that sound to it What's unfortunate is my understanding is they don't end up really stopping Armstrong's plan. Like the war um, economy continues. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, why would it stop? But yeah. you you do end up taking down Armstrong. Uh, the way you kill him is fun. Uh, you reach into his chest and you grab his heart <laughs> yeah. and then he monologues at you for like another minute mm-hmm. and then you rip his heart out and uh, and crush it. It's got all these like these metal like machine tendrils and shit. It's gross. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Cause he's a man that like his body just becomes like, it just becomes like a black cyborg nano machine suit. And it mm. even looks, even though it's like clean black metal, it sort of looks gross. So when he pulls the heart out, it's very mortal Kombat esque where I just go, oh, that's gross. I don't want it. Yeah. No, thanks. Very gross. Yeah. <laughs> um, there is a point in one of the monologues where like, Raiden tricks Armstrong by like pretending to do the whole like, you know what? I get it. I get what you're saying here. And he yeah. like reaches, he's like, come on, bring her here, son, and like gives him a hug. And he's like, You're not crazy. You're goddamn insane. And then good punches him across the level. Yeah. <laughs> Marge Simpson. Um <laughs> so yeah, you beat Armstrong and uh Raiden goes back to, you know, he he quits the um the mercenary business, but mm-hmm. there's a cutscene at the end where you see him like, you know, walking down a shady, you know, a dark alley and there's some dudes in suits there. And so yeah, it's not over for Raiden, I guess. That he has to fight his own war now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was good too. I, thank yeah. you. I think Doctor like ends up creating a an organization to help those those kids who yeah. had been debrained to put them like in cybernetic bodies. Uh, but mm-hmm. we don't really find out like what that they end up being like helpers in the war economy, but war never changes, I guess. Yeah. It's uh again, Kojima war never yeah. changes. Uh, yeah. so, uh, I would love a sequel. Just, just Same. give me like eight more fucked up bosses to fight. Give me another, the continuation of this story. Um, I would love to play more of this instead. I'm just going to keep replaying the same game over and over. It's too bad because you're never, ever going to get a sequel to this. No, I'm sorry to tell you. Not a chance. Yeah. Not a chance. <laughs> uh, Konami's making video games again after, you know, deciding for a long time that they were just going to make pachinko machines and health clubs. Uh, yeah. But I'm glad that they're kind of farming out their IP to others now. We're, we'll get an, another Silent Hill game. We're getting Metal Gear Solid Delta uh, without Kojima's involvement. Um, but I don't think you'll ever get this one. I'm sorry. No, it's not going to happen. But uh, but a boy can dream. So, 
this has been a good time. Thank you so much for coming on to, uh, to talk about Metal Gear Rising. Um, had fun talking about the bosses. And uh, again, I had told you, I think I told you before we started recording, this was on the break glass in case of emergency list. Like the games, it's like, I want to do this on the show. I've already played it multiple times. Just wait for the right moment. Maybe a moment where I'm not two months ahead of recording schedule. That's not how it worked out. I'm still two months ahead, but I was like, you know, I'll find another game to replace this in that that glass case. Time to do this episode. So thank you for taking the time. This has been awesome. No, of course. And uh, one, I'm envious as a podcaster that you are two months ahead. Congrats to you. You're one of the few <laughs> people I know that that's far ahead. And this was mm. on my list to play uh, someday. And maybe maybe someday your audience will vote to play Greece. Who knows? Yeah. Because uh, that was again, the other game we talked about. Yeah. It, it'll forever be on my list of like, I also I have like, the list of the break glass games. Where it's like, oh, fuck, I need a podcast right now. And then I have the list of like, oh, fuck, I need a podcast soon. What's a less than five hour game? And, yep. and Greece is on that list for sure. Mm-hmm. Better <laughs> than mine. Mine would be Fortnite. So. <laughs> oh, well, those work too. Yeah. Uh-huh. First episode of this show was about Rocket League, a game hey. that yeah, just play it as long as you want to. You mm-hmm. get it. It's Rocket League. Yep. I'm the same way with Fortnite. Fortnite. It's a place where you play with the IP, other people's yeah. IP. It's fun. Yeah, exactly. There's my review. So uh, again, thank you uh, for coming on. I recommend everybody who's listening to check out everything that uh, Jacob is making. Look down in the show notes again for links. And that'll be it. Again, this was the winner of a Patreon poll. So stay tuned for the next uh, poll to come out, which will be a couple months in the future. I don't know what'll be in there yet, but it'll be something fun. So Again, thank you, everybody, for listening. I appreciate you all very much. Tune in next week for the next game to come out of the backlog.